Happy Saturday and welcome to this special free agency edition of Vikings Vanshees presented by Pepsi. My name is Gabe Henderson alongside Ron Johnson from Vikings Live and producer Jay Nelson from the Vikings Entertainment Network. And uh, we got a loaded show for, for everyone listening today. Over the next hour, we get to take a deep dive into this wild, wild free agency period, not only for the Vikings, but for the entire NFL. So coming up on the show, we get to hear from Vikings co-director of player personnel, Ryan Monance, who not only has been at every single college pro day. But Ryan was also a part of the search committee that eventually led to the hiring of GM Quasi Adolfo Mensa and, and new head coach Kevin O'Connell. So I'm looking forward to hearing um, Ryan's perspective, but I'm also looking forward to hearing from, from ESPN's Jordan Reed, who will join the show. So the NFL draft is 33 days away, and I know he has a lot of insight. Um, when I talked to him at the Combine a few weeks ago, he had the Vikings selecting David Ajabo with the 12th overall pick. The news came out that he tore his Achilles, so that that definitely affects his draft stock. And Ron, it, it's been a wild offseason, like I said before, and a lot of people, you know that that meme on, on social media, it's, it's the stick figure, and they got the stick in their hand, and they're like poking at a, a bushel of sticks. That's what Vikings fans were like, like do something, Vikings, right. and then boom, Zadarius Smith. Yep. He played for the Packers a few uh, the last three years, and he has been a dominant force there. And then, boom, he signs with another team here with the Minnesota Vikings in the NFC North. And a lot of people are saying you, you team him up with Daniil Hunter. It's going to be a scary sight for for this Vikings defense that that has had some problems uh, the past couple of years. Yeah. I mean, when you think about Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith always came to mind because mm-hmm. when you thought about the Packers three, four defense. It terrorized the Vikings for years. Mm-hmm. I mean, for the last three years, it was terrorizing when you thought about what Zadarius Smith can do, how he would put tackles on skates, how he had the counter moves. And when you look at Daniil Hunter, um, this is a defense that we've seen Daniil play the strong side and the weak side mm-hmm. because of Everson Griffin. He's 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 versatile. You see a guy in Zadarius Smith who's versatile. You see a guy in Eric Kendricks who can rush the quarterback. Like what you didn't see a lot of the Vikings and maybe because I'm on Instagram and Twitter, that's three Ron Johnson on Instagram. <laughs> Go follow me. Um, is the the camaraderie already like Zadarius Smith is already looking at like the Hey Bay Bay challenge. And he's saying this might be the new team celebration. He's tagging Eric Kendricks and Daniil Hunter. <laughs> Daniil Hunter. Now. Let's get this straight. Daniel Hunter cannot dance, I don't think, in my opinion. <laughs> he doesn't look like a dancer. He's not built like a dancer. He's built like a Greek god. Yeah. Dancing is probably not. He's the guy I feel like would be like Prince Charming who would just stand there at a, at a party <laughs> and girls would just come up and speak to him. He stands on the wall. Yeah, like Eric Kendricks. Yeah, I could see him him cutting He's the rug. He's the party. And, yeah, and so I could see him get, getting that slide down. But that's a work in progress. Darius Smith, you know, it's just cool to see the way the guys are already collaborating together. And I think Zadarius Smith, when you took a visit here, because everybody, I saw a bunch of people tweeting to me when I tweeted he was here because I posted his video. He, you know, he posted Instagram and people, oh, he's just coming for a visit because he was supposed to sign with the Ravens. Mm-hmm. He agreed. To he terms. agreed to yeah. terms. But that's that legal tampering. That's right. why I love that. You right. know, players can reach out. Coaches can reach out. It's a legal. Let's say let's let's tamper. Let's just right. say hey, let's just open it up. But anyway, the legal tampering period. And then you get former guys like, you know, Mike Pettin, Coach Smith. These guys know him. And and what you're seeing, even with Kevin O'Connell and some of the Ram, you know, one of the Rams players coming over, it's about former relationships. It's mm-hmm. about guys you can trust that can come in and be your guys. And I even take that back to PJ Fleck with the Gophers. You know, a lot of people didn't understand the moves he made and the players and coaches he was recruiting 
and bringing in. And, and look how it worked out for him with Tanner Morgan. He comes here. Tanner Morgan was supposed to be a Western Michigan quarterback. He follows P.J. to Minnesota yeah. and ends up being one of the winningest quarterbacks, you know, in Minnesota history. And so relationships matter, you know, even though people – and I'm never going to knock Mike Zimmer. He had his way. It worked. They made it to the uh, NFC Championship. You know, they had some great memories here, some great players here. But I, I just think with social media and, and the, the new age player and, mm-hmm. you know, certain players, I think, you know, a guy like Tom Brady, I think he has no problem playing for Mike Zimmer. A guy like Drew Brees, I think he has no problem. Play, but Kirk Cousins is not that guy. Kirk Cousins needs a coach that can affirm that he's doing well. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's why Stefan Diggs was kind of like, you know, this just doesn't seem like my place. You know, me and my quarterback aren't really jiving together. Me and the coaches, you know, I'm not getting what I thought. I think if Keenan McCardell was here, Stefan Diggs is still here. You know, and I think that's the big difference. It's just it's the atmosphere. It's what they want to get out of it. And that's why you see a guy like Zadarius Smith show up and never leave. Yeah. And, and that's what you're going to see more and more as these free agents visit here. I, I think that's a really good point because uh, a lot of people look at the, the play, they, they forget to look at the team as this is a business also. And yeah. just like any business that you do in, at your job or at your company, the relationships matter. In order to get business done effectively, you have to understand who this person is as a player, who they are as people. You have to build that relationship first before you can actually go out and do business with them. Yeah, we, we all know that we're here to do a job, but we can't get that done effectively until we understand how each other ticks, how each other, what pushes us, what what doesn't push us, and we go out there, we go out there and understand our roles. So, with that said, everyone on this defense has a role, and this Vikings organization understands that. They spent over seventy million dollars already on the defensive side of the ball, and Zadarius Smith, Harrison Phillips, Jordan Hicks. And I, I, you, you got to think there's going to be more guys being signed before the draft comes. So when you look at Harrison Phillips, Jordan Hicks, those two guys in particular, why do they fit what we're trying to do in this new scheme? Well, when you look at the three, four, first you have the, the, the depending on how you want to play the nose. And if you have a cock nose where he's going to be a two gap or he's going to turn kind of weird sideways where he can jump either a gap um, or if he's going to be a straight up nose where he's going to be head up over the center and his job is going to be to eat up two players in a, a different type of attack. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to have your, you know, whether you call it a three technique or a five technique, you're going to have your three and your five. Um, one's going to be more defensive in like, one's going to be more defensive tackle like. And then you have your two outside linebackers. And, and if you watch this Darius Smith with um, the Packers, he was primarily the guy that got after the quarterback. Mm-hmm. He was the guy that liked to rush. He was the guy that, you know, like a TJ Watt, same thing with the Steelers. You know, when you're thinking three, four, think Steelers, think Packers. You know, that's that's what this team is. Think Ravens. You know, yeah. that's what this team is trying to get to. Cause I, I played with Terrell Suggs. And I remember when Suggs came in and he was an undersized, as they call it, defensive end. Well, the Ravens right away was like, look, this kid is an undersized at 248, I think he was when he's mm-hmm. drafted. He's an undersized DN, but he's a perfect outside linebacker. Awesome, yep. And that's what you're starting to see more in the NFL. Fail is guys that are 255 are not too small to play the end. Mm-hmm. They're just better at dropping and rushing, and it's tough on a quarterback. A 3-4 is tough because for the quarterback to come to the line of scrimmage, the first thing he does is identify the mic, which is honestly, for those listening, identifying the mic is just you're picking a guy in the middle of the field that you're going to tell your center – Count for that guy. Mm-hmm. Everybody to the right, we count, I think it's three, and everybody to the left, you count three, and then you should be able to know how many guys you can block. The fourth outside guy, you can't block, mm-hmm. which is usually a, a outside backer or a corner that's crashing. So I'm going to go other side of the ball then. Yeah. Does that make Daniel Hunter an outside linebacker or a DN? 
technically, I think they're going to call him an outside linebacker. Okay. Unless unless they're going to find another backer. Like, a, again, if Anthony Barr decides to come back for cheap because he's like, look, with Anthony Barr, Zadarius Smith, Eric Hendricks, and Jordan Hicks, that's for the best <laughs> linebacker. Like, that might be the best linebacker crew in the NFL mm-hmm. as far as those four. Now, of course, money matters. But Anthony Barr made $12 million last year. He's made a lot of money in the past. Sometimes guys are like, look, I'll sign a two-year deal for $4 million, you know, whatever can fit yeah. to get me in. Let's see what happens. Put a clause in there where if you want to get traded, you can get traded with no, like, issues and put a no-trade clause so you're still kind of a free agent. Yeah. Like Deshaun Watson, where you can pick the team you're traded to. Um I, I mean, personally, if I'm Anthony Barr, my best friend is still here, Eric Kendricks. Yeah. I made a lot of money. Like, two to three to four million dollars is a ton of money. You know, and you have a chance to win with a coach that's going to be more of your player type. But for, for, for me, I would put Daniil Hunter as a, as a DN outside backer. We've seen Daniil stand up, but he would be more like a Demarcus Ware. Um, and a Suggs, where he's gonna blitz, he's gonna go every time. Zadarius Smith now takes on some of that drop zone, call it a hybrid four three. When you put four guys to come, you drop back Zadarius with Jordan Hicks mm. as your outside and Kendrick as your middle. That's but scary. with Hicks, but one guy's your 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 mole, which is kind of gonna be your your take on the fullback. Mm. You know, come a lot more. The other guy's gonna be your drop guy, and I think honestly that's gonna be what they see in practice. I don't really know because I don't know if Jordan Hicks wants to be the thumper and yeah. take on that that backer and let mm. Kendrick scrape, or if it's vice versa. I I personally see Jordan Hicks being a thumper. Yeah, because Kendrick to me is too finesse. He wants to run around like Ray Lewis. <laughs> um, I mean that's what Bart Scott used to joke all the time because Bart and Ray were together, and Bart would always say, "Man." Ray's going to always end up with 20 to 21 tackles mm-hmm. somehow, but we're all on the pile too. But Ray Ray has a guy yeah. up top giving him the check mark that he made the tackle. So, you know, you look at Bart and Ray Lewis, I I, I think, you know, with Jordan Hicks is going to be that. Jordan Hicks is going to be more your Bart Scott. Eric Kendrick is going to be more your Ray Lewis, mm-hmm. and that's going to be the combo. Last question before we get to the break, because I got a lot of questions for, for you before we get out of here. And I, like I said before, we got Ryan Monins, Vikings co-director of player personnel coming up right after the break. But – on paper, are the Vikings the best team in the NFC North? Uh, it's tough because of cornerbacks. Okay. Because right now, that's where where I'm struggling. We do know there's some free agents in the building, uh, some free agent corners on the way that want to visit because, you know, free agency is kind of just getting ramped up. Uh, people are seeing where other people are signing. Mm-hmm. But I, I definitely put them in Packers 1A and 1B. I mean, I think Aaron Rodgers losing Devontae Adams, need, that was huge. Do we need corners if – Aaron Rodgers don't have receivers to throw it to? Yeah, you do. You do. I mean, again, (laughs) the 3-4, though, the 3-4, this is one thing about it. It's cool, and I will say this. You really only need one. If you think about the Packers, they always had one. You don't need both. I think Cam Dantzler is is good. Okay. I think he's serviceable. I think if you have a coach, because Zimmer acts a lot. We heard that from Harrison Smith. Zimmer acts a lot of his DBs. He does a lot of changes. He does a lot of calls. If this new defense, because we, we've we seen what Mike Pettin can do with the Packers. We've seen Mike Pettin with the Ravens. We've seen Mike Pettin with the Jets. Mm-hmm. If it can make it simple, you think about Darrell Revis. You think about Ed Reed. You think about you know Chris McAllister with the Ravens. I mean, if you can make it simple, and Gary Baxter was the opposite and got paid in that Ravens defense. If you can make it simple to say, look, I'm not asking a ton of you guys. I'm going to give you four coverages, but you got to be in the right spot every time because trust the quarterback has to get the ball out of his hand. Mm -hmm. And that's why you see the Packers take so many gambles and jump so many routes because they're like, look, you don't have time to throw this deep ball. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not a ton of those. So I think that's what's going to be the key for this is who's that one corner? If it is P2, who's that one corner they can get to come back or get to be on this roster and make it work? Like you said, there are there are a lot of holes. It's P two P two is still out there. Anthony Barr is still out there. Sheldon Richardson is still out there. We'll talk about that when we come right back from the break, right here on Vikings Vantage on KFAN. 
The Miller Lite Draft Party is back and in person. Bring your crew down on the field at U.S. Bank Stadium for the full 2022 NFL Draft experience, Las Vegas style. Doors will open at 6 p.m., so come celebrate the newest member of the Minnesota Vikings with live coverage all night from KFAN, as well as appearances by current Vikings players, your favorite Vikings legends, and more. Score your tickets now at vikings.com slash draft party. All right, welcome back to Vikings Vantage presented by Pepsi. Gabe Henderson here alongside Ron Johnson and Jay Nelson. And fellas, it is a pleasure now to be joined by a guy who has been in the Vikings front office for over two decades. I'm talking about co-director of player personnel here for the Purple, Ryan Manis. Manis, thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. I, I was bragging on you earlier. Like you, You've been at almost every single pro day. I know you and Jamal Stevenson, uh, co-director of player personnel. This is what you guys do in the offseason. But where are we right now in the pursuit of a Super Bowl for the front office? Maybe halfway through, okay. honestly. Halfway through our process. So, you know, we, we begin with the all-star circuit kind of right after the season ends. And then, you know, we jump, jump kind of into our combine prep. Once we get back from the combine, we kind of shift gears a little bit. Mm. You know, we kind of go from all hands on deck college to all hands on deck pro. So we're going to come back and have our pro meetings with the coaches and go through unrestricted free agency and, and, and go through that process. And, um, all the while working on college. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're kind of wearing both hats at the same time. How hard is it to really see, because like certain positions, you just don't know how they're going to transfer to the NFL. How hard is it to find an interior offense alignment when you're talking just guard center? It, it is definitely a process. And, you know, and typically guys who start uh, right out of the gate, typically you got to find them early. Most of the guys take time in the interior. It, there's there's a, definitely a learning curve. And, and most of the guys from the fourth round down through college free agent, it, they just really take time. Versatility is really key to be able to play multiple positions, not only just to play right guard, but to play right guard, left guard, play center, you know, and maybe have some tackle flexibility, whatever mm-hmm. it is, that's going to help you early on. But but really, there there is a learning curve for that interior position um, not a lot of guys can just step in day one and to, you know, unless, unless you're really special, unless you're taken in the first few rounds, we have found that most guys that play at a high level, um, are typically really smart guys, mm. um, really tough guys. But I think to come in and play right away, you've got to be a special player mm-hmm. but because, because there is a learning curve. Definitely. You guys watch so much film. And I think it's funny because, you know, most people say, you know, your job is so glamorous and I, <laughs> I want, I want to do your job. And we have mm-hmm. so many people that <laughs> want to get into this business and, yeah. and rightly so. Um, but I think the thing that people don't realize is there is so much time just spent in your office mm-hmm. watching film and grinding and grinding and grinding. And it's not just watching the film. It's, it's then getting together with the coaches and making sure you are on the exact same page as your position coach and you know exactly what they're looking for in a player. And, and I've said it time and time again, but it takes time. Mm-hmm. It really takes time and you've got to watch players. You can't TV scout. You can't instant scout. Um, it, you, you really have to put in the time and watch these players. I think, I think the biggest mistakes you can make are, are one, not being lockstep with, with the coaching staff and, and being on the same page as, as the position coach and the coordinator and the head coach. And that's, that's mistake number one. But I think number two is, is really just making sure that you are being really thorough with this process. And if your position coach 
you know, values, uh, certain criteria, like, you know, we're going to run a lot of outside zone and we're also going to run a lot of inside zone. So we got, we have to be very, very cognizant of we're watching the right things and these players that, that we ultimately select or we're bringing in, in through free agency are able to do the things that our coaches want them to do. And that's, that's a big part of it. I know this process, the free agency process is different for each player, but being a part of the entire process was Zadarius Smith with him agreeing to a terms with another team and then signing him away from a team in the NFC North. What was that like just being in that room? The the, the three big guys that we signed, Harrison Phillips, mm-hmm. Jordan Hicks, and and of course Z are going to play a really big part uh, of our defense and, and our football team. And, and uh, there was great familiarity uh, between Coach Pett and uh, Coach Smith um, with bringing Zadarius in, and and they pounded the table for him, both as as a character guy and and a, and a football player. So it made our job a lot easier. And obviously, you go into free agency and you want to knock out needs, so you don't have to go in the draft and pick for need. And and that's a big part of it. So we wanted to make sure as we went through unrestricted free agency, we were able to fill a few of these needs, and and we did. And it started with with Harrison Phillips, and and we knew we needed another cornerstone defensive lineman to kind of pair with Delvin Tomlinson, and he was kind of the perfect fit. Uh, both the personnel guys and the coaches were were lockstep on on that, and and you can see the wrestling background and the length and the toughness and the in the ability to play the run, and mm-hmm. and on top of that, you throw the cherry that you know he was the Buffalo Bills Walter Payton Man of the Year, so you know you're bringing a good guy into the locker room, mm-hmm. and then you move on to to Jordan Hicks, and obviously Kevin had a lot of familiarity with him facing him NFC West. to to both both in Philly when Kevin mm-hmm. was in Washington for two years, and then and then with the Rams for two years, um, going against him in Arizona a really smart uh, dialed in player who's able to call the defense and and will be a nice pair with with Eric Kendricks and then and then we move on to Z who's obviously been a thorn in our side you know you know in the <laughs> NFC North and and really took off in Green Bay um, but to add somebody who's able to pass rush both outside and then move them inside and and coach Smith and and both pet see a really big role for him in our defense and obviously he's going to be an impact player and I think all three three players will be impact players for us on defense but how like excited are the defensive coaches when they think about how Eric Kendricks can rush the quarterback, Zadarius Smith, uh, Jordan Hicks, you got Phillips, and now you also uh, have Daniil Hunter who's healthy and coming back? Because I talked to Daniil right after his shoulder, and he said he was feeling good right away, mm-hmm. which has nothing to do with actual hitting and strength, but the fact that it was a successful surgery to where he didn't have any ailments or any like, oh, it's still clicking or whatever. Um, how excited are these defensive coaches about what that defense can look like? Listen, our defensive coaches are really excited. I had a few of them in my office this morning just talking about where we were three three weeks ago and the uncertainty of mm-hmm. our defense. And now you know you've got Hunter back. And we all know like when Hunter is healthy, <laughs> he may be He's the best, the in the best defensive end yeah. in, in, in the NFL. And then pair him with Zadarius, and and like you said, to have the flexibility to to move him inside and out, um, especially in in sub. And and as you know, this league is primarily sub now. It's mm-hmm. it's it's almost seventy six percent sub. So we put a lot of emphasis on that. And then and then you've got Harrison Phillips and Delvin Tomlinson. So those those four guys up front are going to mm-hmm. make an impact on our defense. And then you've got Eric Hendricks, who's obviously been here and been a really good player for a long period of time. 
and then to to pair him with Hicks, I think we're feeling really, really good about the front seven. And then of course, um, you know, Harry, we've got Harry coming yep. back and Harry's Harry's the ultimate pro and Harry had a heck of a season last year. Mm-hmm. Um so I think our defensive coaches from from where we were when they walked in the door to where we are right now are, are really, really excited. Well, if you have a coach looking for a 42-year-old H-back <laughs> weighing in right now about 230, 6'3", you know, let me know. I can make a comeback for a couple of plays in the red zone. Well, we just signed Johnny Munt from, from the LA Rams, and they're about the same size. And, uh, but age, I got the age, age on them. Yeah, you I've, do. I've been a Where's coach, so savviness. I can get coaching. The, yeah, yeah. What's been the difference this year? What's been the biggest difference this offseason? It's a matter of building trust mm-hmm. and and trust takes time. Yeah. And and you really have to sit down with people and get to know people. That just doesn't happen. I can't walk in a room and not know you and 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 and, and try to talk about players and um and us come to a conclusion without us getting to know each other or, right. or understanding how each other watches players or, or what we look for in players. Yeah. So I just think time, time on task is is probably the most important part. Um, I think, listen, when Coach Zim came in in 2014, he was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, his coaching staff knew exactly what they wanted in players and um, and especially on defense. I mean, mm-hmm. Zim, Zim was so good in in that way. He told us exactly what he was looking for in his front and what he looked for in his linebackers, what he looked for in his safeties and his corners. And, and he was very, very specific in, in, in that way. And just like as Kevin and his, and his staff is now. But I think there is, there is a learning curve, especially for me now. I've never been in a 3-4. Mm-hmm. I've, I've certainly watched and advanced scouted teams in a 3-4 before. And that's, that has certain, certainly helped me. But as far as knowing what each position coach wants, what each coordinator wants, um, especially as it pertains to defense now in the three four, this is this is new to me. Um, I'm relying on them uh, to teach me exactly what they want in a player, and then it's my job to sit back, listen, really listen, and then go evaluate and go try to find those players. Talking to um, Jamal Stevenson, co-director of player personnel also, he said a lot of people in in processes or in interviews use code words like collaboration Mm and uh, precise and team. And he says just being in those meetings right now with Kwesi and Kevin, like, you you feel that like everything is collaborative like the the intern in the room feels like the gm because everybody is pitching into the ultimate decision yeah that's real that's real when we get in a room with with uh, the coaching staff and in the entire scouting staff listen everybody has a voice mm-hmm. and it's real everybody has their opportunity to speak whether you're an intern or you're a 20 year guy like me in personnel i i truly believe if you put in the work you put in the time you sit down and you grind out on players. You you take time and evaluate players. You should have a voice. Mm. Conversely, if you're going to TV scout and, mm. and you're going to watch five plays and, and you want a voice, <laughs> you know, th- th- that's that's where we're going to differ. Yep. But, so you're telling but, people on Twitter, <laughs> stop tweeting to Vikings <laughs> Twitter about who to draft. Okay, got it. <laughs> no, I just think both Kevin and Kwesi have done a really, really good job of of making sure that everybody is heard throughout this process. As long as we continue to make steps in the right direction, everybody will be happy. But um, congratulations on just starting the free agency period and 33 days until the draft. I know. It's about to be a grind for you, so I, I, we won't take up any more of your time. Appreciate your time, Ryan. Yeah, thank you. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. 
All right, we are back. This is Vikings Vantage presented by Pepsi. My name is Gabe Henderson from the Vikings Entertainment Network alongside Ron Johnson and producer Jay Nelson. And joining us now is a guy that is a really good friend of mine who is becoming a really good friend of the show as well as the Vikings Entertainment Network. I'm talking about draft analysts from ESPN. My guy, Jordan Reed. Jay Reed, what's good, man? What's going on, Gabe? Pleasure to be back as always. You know, I always love chopping it up with you and talking ball. I'm going to put you on the spot. Who has won free agency thus far in the NFL? Just looking at all the moves across all 32 teams, what's the first team that comes to mind? Really three teams okay. come to mind. Cleveland, of course, with Deshaun Watson. We don't need to go too deep into that situation but as far as them figuring out what they want, a quarterback, giving him all of that money for five years. I think it was $230 million. Mm-hmm. That's always going to be a good thing for them as far as solidifying that spot if he is the player that everybody saw that he was prior to all of his legal troubles and things that happened there. The Los Angeles Chargers, I think they've done a really Mm. good job of retooling that defense. Bringing in Khalil Mack was big. Just him and Joey Bosa opposite of each other. That's going to be a headache for a lot of teams. And then signing J.C. Jackson, which kind of flew under the radar, which is crazy to say. Mm -hmm. Him getting a lot of money there, shoring up that secondary. Then bringing Mike Williams back on that offense, I think, was an underrated move, keeping him and Keenan Allen paired together. And you still have the number 17 overall pick. So there's a lot of different directions that they could go with that. But the big winner for me, obviously, is the Miami Dolphins. Them getting Taron Armstead coming over from New Orleans and then the big trade for Tyreek Hill, Mike McDaniel. I mean, speed, speed, speed. It's going to be a track meet in Dade County this year trying to stop those guys. Parent Tyreek Hill with Jalen Waddle getting Raheem Mostert in the backfield, too. I think that was an underrated signing for them. So still got some things to figure out as far as up front. And if two is the guy going forward, but they've done a really good job of surrounding him with the adequate enough weapons to help him reach that next step of his development. You, you bought it up. How how can you have that much speed? And then, you know, what what do you think the Dolphins will do? Because Tua looked like he never really had time. He never really looked truly comfortable in the pocket. You know, you see him at Alabama, and Alabama, which, you know, is always one of the best offensive lines, you know, in the, in the college football. But in Alabama, he looked extremely comfortable. He looked taken care of. He looked like all of his hot routes and everything was kind of, not to say, called out for him but it looked like it was easier you know what's what's the ceiling for the Dolphins if they can find a way to find two offensive linemen and make them a little bit better well I wouldn't say win the AFC even though I think that's something that they're striving for this year I think 10 plus wins I think that would be a good goal for them to set just because this year is all about figuring out if Tua is that guy and they got high quality insurance behind him and Teddy Bridgewater um, a player that we've seen have success as a starter throughout the league. So I think with the Dolphins, I think this system is going to be so good for Tua. First and foremost, this is his third offensive coordinator or a different type of system in three years. Mm-hmm. So him just having some continuity and being able to learn this system more than one season, if they're going to have success, I think that's going to be huge for him. But just attacking the middle of the field, running a bunch of run-pass options, but also what I like to call just getting defense to reveal their hand before the snap of the ball. That's what that's what I think that makes that Shanahan system so good is that they force and put so much defense, put so much stress on defenses, not only in a diagonal direction, but you can do it vertically. But with Tua, you're not consistently going to be able to attack the deeper portions of the field just because that's not his game. 
He doesn't have a overly strong arm. I mean, it's sufficient, but we all know that he's not going to be launching 60, 70 yard balls down the field. That's just not his game. He's very precise and an accurate guy in the short to intermediate areas. But the key thing and the one trait that you have to have on the perimeter in that system is you have to have guys that can get yards after the catch. That's why I think Jalen Waddle is going to continue to strive and be successful. But getting Tyreek Hill was so good just because we know where his super his super saying trait that I like to say is that getting yards after the catch mm-hmm. that's really where he's special. Like he has the turbo button that nobody else in the league has. Once the ball is in his hands, you better hold your breath just because you mm-hmm. never know what's going to happen after that point. So you just tell Tua to just distribute the ball, play point guard, get the ball in these guys get the guy get the ball in these guys' hands. Excuse me, whether screen passes, attack in the middle of the field the short to intermediate areas. And that's where Jimmy G was so good and why he's so good in that offense is that it really attacks the middle of the field, stressing those throwing windows over the middle of the field and then taking and picking and choosing those occasional shots down the field. So I think this is going to be a big system for him, but getting Tyreek Hill along with Jalen Waddle and them just being able to get those yards after the catch opportunities, I think that's going to be helpful. Well, the Vikings play the Miami Dolphins this year and we got to have some cornerbacks that can, that can cover those guys. So yeah. how do the Vikings address the cornerback situation? Is that bringing P2 back is that using that pick at the 12th overall like how do you see us like where do we need to improve in, in that position I think they need to add a veteran to the room I would bring Patrick Peterson back just because of his veteran presence even though he's not the player that he once was I still think he was a dependable starter a year ago I mean he's he's a top I would say 25 to 30 corner steal at this stage in his career and even though I think he only had what one interception a year ago he's still that dependable guy when he was healthy one of the games he was in last year, I think he was a dependable starter. So getting that getting that veteran back in the room with that presence, I think they need to bring Patrick Peterson back if the money is right. Of course, that's what it all comes down to. Cameron Dantzler, I think he's a serviceable number two. But the thing that I always said about Cam, even coming into the draft, is that you have to have a backup plan for Cam just because his body is just not going to hold up for a full season just because of how he's constructed. So you kind of have to treat him kind of like a half person in the room in a sense and that's not derogatory or anything against cam but you just have to have an emergency plan or backup plan for him just because he's going to miss three to four games a year just because his body's not going to be able to hold up so i would bring in somebody else along with patrick peterson whether that's an amad sauce gardner who may be there at 12 it's not looking good right now with him being there at 12 but i'm tempted to bring in Derek stingley too i just like the lsu connection along with p2 i think p2 could take a guy like stingley under his wing teach him some of the things that he learned during his time in Arizona. Um, and then just some of that veteran leadership that he has had even last year rubbing off on some of the young guys. So that pairing of P2 along with Derek Stingley Jr., along with Cam Dantzler and then Harrison Hand and then some of these other younger guys that they have in the room, maybe Chandler Sullivan if they do end up signing him to be the nickel. So the great thing about the Vikings is that they have plenty of picks if they want to address nickel and then outside too. I mean, we all heard Quasio uh, Dofomensa say, we're structuring this defense to make the cornerback's job easy. So understanding that, what does that mean for the developmental guys and the DJ Wanhams and the Patrick Jones II that is trying to make it easier for the corners that is looking like we may select with the 12th overall pick? Well, you can spot playing. I think that's the great thing about it, just because you have your guys that are going to take a bulk of the snaps and Zedarius and then also Daniel Hunter assuming their health is going to hold up, which we envision that happening next season. And then that allows you to ease some of these guys in Janarius. I don't think played much or even any of all, uh, any at all last year. Yeah. DJ Wanham, we saw he's going on to have some success. 
but I just don't know if he's your 1A type of starter. He's more of your 1B, your serviceable guy that can come in on those second and third down and longs to where you can use him, what I like to call those NASCAR packages of where you can just pin his ears back and then just get after the quarterback. So, And the Vikings have some young developmental guys that I really like. I like Patrick Jones when he was coming out too. I think he's another player that could go on to have some success, whether it's in a stand-up role or having his hand in the dirt. So I think they have the developmental guys already in-house that they need now is just those guys need to grow up a bit and just develop and get to that next step of their development. I, I asked you this question at the combine and your response was David Ojabo. We understand now David Ojabo probably won't get selected in the, the first round just because of his Achilles tear, unfortunately. But, but now the Vikings, they got the 12th overall pick. Who, who do you see them selecting with that 12th overall pick now? Yeah, I'm going to go with the guy that I talked about earlier, and that's Derek Stingley Jr., okay. cornerback from LSU. I think with just some of his durability concerns that he has had over the past two years, I think that's going to keep him out of contention to be with Sauce Gardner as the first cornerback selected inside the top ten. I think Sauce has a chance to go even as high as number three to the Texans or number four to the mm-hmm. Jets. There's some chatter about that. So I think with Stingley, he's going to slip a little bit, even though he has a big day coming up April 6th down in Baton Rouge, he's going to perform and do everything at LSU's Pro Day. So there's going to be a big day for him. But even if he tests throughout the roof, there's still going to be some teams that have some durability concerns with him. And I always say this, your best ability is your availability. Yeah. We've all heard that before a million times. So I think there's going to be some concerns with that, with Stingley. But the ability is not any question of all with him. It's just the availability with him. So you have to put a little bit of trust in what you saw in 2019 when he had a phenomenal freshman season, six interceptions, was a defensive leader, really, of that national title team at 18 years old. So you're kind of depending on that player showing back up and then some shades of what we saw over the past two years. And, I mean, he said it. This is the first time I've ever had surgery in my life when he had the Liz Frank injury last year, and then he's never had any other major injury outside of that. So if you trust the doctors, you trust the medical situation, you trust his durability moving forward, which I would at this point. I think he's the best corner in the draft that we're just strictly talking about ability and what they have shown on tape. I mean, I would take a chance on him at 12 just because Minnesota, they desperately need corners (laughs) right now. Jay Reed, we could talk to you all day, man, but, you know, due to time constraints, we got to cut this thing short. So I always appreciate your time. Um, you, as you know, we're going to have you on again. So Vikings fans, uh, stay tuned to Vikings.com. Jay Reed will be with us a lot this offseason talking about the purple. Uh, Jay Reed, thank you for joining us today, though, man. Absolutely. Thanks as always. Yes, sir. The Miller Lite Draft Party is back and in person. Bring your crew down on the field at U.S. Bank Stadium for the full 2022 NFL Draft experience, Las Vegas style. Doors will open at 6 p.m., so come celebrate the newest member of the Minnesota Vikings with live coverage all night from KFAN, as well as appearances by current Vikings players, your favorite Vikings legends, and more. Score your tickets now at vikings.com slash draftparty. Welcome back to Vikings Vantage presented by Pepsi. My name is Gabe Henderson alongside Ron Johnson and producer Jay Nelson. We are in our final segment of this show. And if you're just now joining or you want to go back and listen to our interviews with Jordan Reed from ESPN and Vikings co-director of player personnel, Ryan Monitz, you can head on over to Vikings.com or listen to it wherever you stream your podcast. Ron, we've we've got some great insights so far. We, we've talked to a bunch of guys about the crazy moves that have happened this offseason. And before we talk Vikings, who do you think one free agency thus far overall in the NFL. I like the Raiders. 
Like the the fact of Devontae Adams getting back with Derek Carr. Derek Carr, we already know is great. He already has Darren Waller, mm-hmm. who I loved early on. Like early on when he was, I had him in my fantasy league. That's the only reason I liked him that much. But then after he played the Vikings, I think he had like 11 catches against the Vikings in mm-hmm. U.S. Bank Stadium. And from then on, I was like, man, this Darren Waller kid's a baller. And then now he's become the Darren Waller everybody yeah. knows. But I was on him early just because I had to, you know, I had to pick a tight end late yeah. in, the, in my fantasy draft. And so I took Darren Waller. You should be he, a scout. He ended up being worth it. And so you look at Darren Waller and Devontae Adams on the same side. If I'm a safety, I had now have to decide. If I got Darren Waller screaming up the seam, I got Devontae Adams working some crazy mm-hmm. out and up, I got to decide who I'm helping. You're not even saying Hunter Renfro. And Hunter Renfro underneath. Like, you got to decide who you're going to help. Mm-hmm. And so we know the Raiders were right there, you know, for the playoffs when you talk about the, the charge and the Raiders. You know, I think now – They've added a piece to the offense because the Raiders have never been a defensive juggernaut mm-hmm. since like the the Charles John Woodson days. days. Yeah, the, well, Charles Woodson. Even. I oh, think they true, were true. they were good with the Charles Woodson days when you had Napoleon Harris mm-hmm. and some of those guys. But since then, it's been the Derek Carr show. And so when you think about that offense and what Aaron Rodgers had, now he has that. That's what's going to be the biggest key. And there's a kid that grew up a Raiders fan. You know, had a Tim Brown jersey when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, from the Bay Area. So I, I do like the Raiders. I, I, I like the Devontae Adams move. But, you know, that's just me, though. Yeah, I figured you would say Jacksonville just because of – I mean, the lucky seven when everybody talks about Jay Nelson put together our script for MVP this week, and he gave me a stat that basically says the Jacksonville Jaguars have spent $1.64 billion in free agency <laughs> since 2012. That's crazy. And look at this year, they're yeah. like adding guys that have actually made plays. Yeah. And, and it shows promise. And they're trying to build around a quarterback quarterback and Trevor Lawrence. So I figured you would say that, but I, I can respect the Raiders. The AFC West, though, I just think the AFC West, they're going to beat up on each other. And right. then another team's going to come out in the AFC. Yeah, I mean, so the AFC West, I, that's how I look at it. I think they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna beat each other up. But I do think, honestly, Derek Carr had it for a little bit with Antonio Brown. Like he had that new life, mm-hmm. that new love. They were buddies out there, and then Antonio Brown froze his bottom of his feet. Yeah, lost his mind. Um, but I think that's the key when you think about what's next for these guys. You know, mm-hmm. what what can they look like out there? But I, I do like the Jaguars. I think, you know, what they're trying to do with Trevor Lawrence, I think that's going to be the key, building an offense around him, trying to find some defense that can help him win some games. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I mean, I'm not going to say it's still Jacksonville because they have in the past, they've, they've gotten there almost. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like the Raiders. They were there and they added the one piece I think Derek Carr needed, which was receiver one. He thought he had it with Antonio Brown and he didn't. I mean, add on the fact that they signed Chandler Jones and you pair him with Max Crosby and that defense is looking, I mean, their linebacker position, they got to address that. But like a lot of experts say, or a lot of coaches say, if you can get the pass rush elite, that affects everything yeah. else. And we, we know that we, we need a, a cornerback. We yeah. know that we just signed an outside linebacker and Zadarius Smith. So outside of the cornerback and the, the defensive end slash linebacker position, what position do the Vikings need to draft? Well, it's tough because if they were in a top three, top 10 position, you know, I would say offensive guard because Quentin Nelson with the coach showed us like if you want a guard go get him when you can get him because he's your guy interior line unless you can get one high that you know is going to be a day one starter it's tough to develop the younger guys and we know middle pressure was something that really bugged Kirk Cousins like you want to keep that pocket clean you go get an interior lineman um 
I don't know center guard, which I, I, my guess is going to be guard because I think you feel like you have your center. You, I think you have a left guard in Ezra Cleveland if you mm-hmm. can move him. But if there's a Quentin Nelson guy out there they love, go get him. Yeah. You know, if there's a free agent they can get, you know, but the one thing about offensive guards, you look at some of these new contracts, you know, you look That's at Quentin crazy. Nelson, you look at uh, Smith from the Cowboys. It's expensive. You got to pay him. You got to decide. And and honestly, the formula seems to be, and we're going to come back to that again, I know all season, quarterbacks and how much of the salary cap they eat up has been a direct correlation with that early Super Bowl success. And then the late Super Bowl success with a guy like Tom Brady, who's willing to say, hey, give me a million during the season or two million during the season, but I still want that $10 million yeah, or $12 signing million bonus. signing bonus. <laughs> yeah. But I'll take, and, and for people that don't understand that, one, the cap that hits a different year, two, a signing bonus hits your pockets differently because you get taxed at a different rate yep. because it's a luxury tax that gets hit. There's all the kind of taxes. So I, I get it. But when you're when you're splitting hairs of you're going to walk away with six million for seven million and a chance to win a Super Bowl versus eating up the salary cap. I'm always a proponent of being a team first, especially if you made two hundred million dollars. Like at what point do you become yeah. a team first guy? But that's a whole different ball game and story. I'm never going to count a man's pockets. Jalen Rose said it best. Um, that's how I grew up in Detroit as well. But at the end of the day, this is our job to do that and to break down the salary cap. And and I think that's the the success unless you find lightning in a bottle. And you look at Zach Taylor with the Bengals. Yeah. You look at Sean McVay with the Rams. And you look at Shanahan with the 49ers. All young coaches yeah. that found lightning in a bottle to get to that NFC AFC championship. But I think so it's maybe Kevin O'Connell can do it. Kevin O'Connell comes from the Sean McVay tree where they basically addressed their positions in free agency or via trade. And then you got Quasey, who was with the Browns and with the 49ers, and they addressed their players through the draft and through player development. So it'll be interesting to see how those two mesh 33 days until the draft. And there's going to be a lot of speculation. And I know you're, you're you have an affinity for your gopher players. What player, what gopher player do you think is most likely to fall to the Vikings? Well, I, I know the way Fa Lele is playing right now and they don't need a tackle. I mean, you already got a big, huge tackle. Move, been him cool. move him inside. You could move one of those guys inside like a Brian O'Neill, who's more of a slender tackle that could yeah. possibly play guard. I think Boy Mafe. You know, being an outside backer in his 3-4 defense, he is an undersized defensive end. Um, But he ran well, zoomed. I mean, I think 4-6 or something like that. And then he also had like a 40-something inch vertical. Mm. Um, So his measurables are extremely off the charts. He's a freak athlete. He reminds me body type, size, weight of a Terrell Suggs. Like Mm. he has the moves. But, I mean, getting after the quarterback, you look at the Senior Bowl and and what they were posting, the Senior Bowl videos. Boy, Mafe jumped off the the, the table. For them, explosiveness, um, his counter strikes, his mm-hmm. violent hands. And originally, I think they were saying second, third round. Some people are saying first round, but I think that's just Minnesota people that talked about <laughs> his, his uh, combine workout stuff. But yeah, I mean, if he's there in the second, third round and the Vikings are still trying to add another defensive end or a line, outside linebacker, he could be a guy that I could see coming to, to Minnesota because we made jokes about Rick Spielman because you had Antoine Winfield, you had a chance to get Tyler Johnson, and, and he didn't bite on any of those guys. Um, but you know, this new staff doesn't have that like mindset of I know the Gophers right. or I have a pre uh, bias about PJ Fleck or the guys yeah. or the, anything, you know, university wise, whatever it might just be. Looking at talent. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I think that's going to be the key when you look at a guy like Boy Mafia. This new regime, like uh, Ryan Monis said, it's new faces. Yeah. It's new energy. It's new collaboration. It's everybody in a room has something to say. 
Um, so yeah, I, I think that's gonna be key. But I, I think the free agent moves too. Keep an eye on on their past. You know, the Browns, the 49ers, like you said, the Rams, um, you know, the Jets, yeah. you know, uh the Ravens, all these guys that have been to these places, they're all gonna bring that you into take the something pot. from every yeah, team. Like, hey, this is what I think we should do, and this yeah. is who I think we should bring in. Because when he he kind of tipped his hat a little bit when Ryan said uh about the defense, when you think about moving Zadarius Smith inside. Mm-hmm. Well he can rush he can rush a guard or he center. Can, or he a can tackle. rush from the three, the five, or the wide seven mm-hmm. or a wide nine. And if you think about the chaos of the Ravens, mm-hmm. think about that chaotic defense where they had one guy with his hand in the ground and the Jets and everybody did it else too, is just roaming. And everybody stood up and walked around. The Jets did it, the Packers did it. Mm-hmm. And the Ravens did it, which all those guys have come from those regimes with Rex Ryan, uh, you know, and they've built that. So I, I've, I've always said that, that I love c- control chaos. And if the Vikings can find a way to do that, that is a nightmare for quarterbacks because you don't know. And so when you can move Daniel Hunter and he's movable, Jordan Hicks and, and Eric Kendricks are interchangeable. Harrison Smith can come up and he can rush. And the cool thing about a 3-4 is now you just have to find another safety. You don't have to find a strong and a free. In yeah. the 3-4, you got two cover two mm-hmm. safeties back there that can be interchangeable Whatever as well. So. Do. I think that's going to be a key in the draft to keep an eye on where they might decide to go, like Jordan brought up, some safeties that could, you know, fill in and be right next to Harrison Smith mm-hmm. and, and really make it work as well. So, yeah, this is going to be a fun – I mean, this is offseason has already been historic. Um, but this draft is going to be the key to what yeah. the Vikings look like going forward. This is what all the fans are waiting for. I can't wait. Yeah. You know, like I, I hope it's in person this year, U.S. Bank Stadium or whatever they're it planning on doing. Because yep. um, sitting in my basement the last two years is, is fun. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's kind of cool to get back to a little bit of crazy and watching the fans get excited or boo even. I mean, because either way, it's fun Twitter stuff yeah. to talk about. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we got some key dates coming up for Vikings fans. As, as we all know, the draft is in 33 days. It starts April 28th. And then right after the NFL draft, rookie minicamp starts on Friday, May 13th. That is a two-day function, Friday, May 13th, and Saturday, May 14th. And then OTAs start a week later. So don't flinch. Well, that is all for us today. Um, had a lot of fun talking to a lot of the guys from Ryan Monins to, to Jordan Reed. And as always, uh, my guy, Ron Johnson and Jay Nelson. It has been a pleasure talking to all of you today, and I hope all of you have a great weekend. This is Vikings Vantage presented by Pepsi. Pepsi, that's what I like.